Talking Teenagers. I'm James Schoen. And I'm James Certin. Conversation, expertise and advice on the world and well-being of our teenagers. Welcome back to Talking Teenagers. And um, today we're doing something slightly different because James and I are going to be talking about coronavirus part two, as it were, our second conversation on the subject. But we're now doing it by telephone, which is a new technological feat for us. (laughs) Hello. Good morning. (laughs) Good morning, James. How are you doing? I'm all right. Thank you. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. So one of the things that we we want to talk about this morning is, I mean, your story is one that's been sort of born out of a, a real struggle, hasn't it? A real kind of health issue and issues of isolation. And you came up with a kind of fantastic mantra that I think is really, really helpful at this season for parents, for, for, for their kids. Just talk us through what you went through and what that mantra is. So my, you know, my journey is, as many people now know, you know, it was, it was a brain tumor. It was two big operations. I mean, operations that were much bigger than I was expecting. But then a journey after I came out of hospital, which has been a tough journey in many ways, it still is, because I can't see. But I remember specifically, and I was funny enough, I was talking about this the other day. I remember specifically one night where I was lying in hospital after my first big brain tumor operation and my catheter and I had become separate and I woke up soaking wet in my own urine, freezing cold. And because I had a tracheostomy, I couldn't speak. I couldn't, you know, shout out. And I'd ring my bell, ring my bell. And it wasn't being heard. And I was ringing my bell and I was freezing cold. And I was, I think I was beginning to sort of cry. I, I think I felt so forsaken at that moment, mm. so forgotten about, overlooked. And then eventually a nurse did come. And this nurse clearly had had a long night. I mean, bless her and thank her for cleaning me up. But there wasn't much what I would call love involved. And I was really treated by like nothing better than a sort of, you know, a dirty pub floor as I was washed down and, you know, reclothed and stuff. And I, I remember that being a, a really low moment. Uh, my wife coming in the following day and I couldn't speak but she would lip read and I was sort of there you know coming in and out of tears and I just told her about the events of last night and her looking back in my face and saying this is a time where you really need to trust and you know that that is all this idea of, of faith so my mantra is about looking up looking forward and looking out there's a wonderful sense of irony that I can't see, but I talk all about looking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you got basically your UFO then, your unidentified UFO, flying object. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so talk us through the, you, you said a little bit about faith there and trust. Talk us about the up there then. So so looking up, you know, it is this sense, and I'm aware there's, you know, we're all from different creeds and colours, but, you know, for me, it is my Christian faith. And, I think in these times where things are literally out of our control, and I think of, you know, coronavirus and how we're all stuck and we can't make money and we can't do and we can't, we're we're stuck. And we suddenly realize that there's nothing that we can do. We can either get angry and fight against it. I sometimes use the expression, it's either a fight or we get in the flow. And we get in the flow of the fact that there is a higher being that we trust in and we trust that he's got got our backs covered. And for me it's 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 Christian faith and it's prayer and it's 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 listening to God's word. Um it's um 
What might that look like for other people, mate, who aren't Christians? How might they kind of? I mean, is that well? Yeah, I mean, I don't know other religions, or but but it's just this sense that there might be a higher being, and that there might be meditation to do. That this sense of a higher being, of a greater presence, that really we on Earth, whilst we think we're frightfully important and hugely central, actually there's something bigger, there's something greater. Sometimes it's helpful, isn't it, to sort of transcend your situation, to sort of, you know, when you're looking up, to actually go up and to look down and think, okay, this this doesn't look great in the short term and this doesn't look good in the wider perspective, but actually there's, there's, you know, it's not the end of the world. That's right. I think, you know, for me, having been in a position where, you know, I was about to become a headmaster and all was, you know, and suddenly, you know, I was this central, indomitable figure, but actually I was hit for six and I found myself in a position where I was absolutely at the bottom of the pile, the bottom of the mountain and I had nothing and I was nothing, you know, as I felt that night and I think that actually that is is a humbling experience it it breaks you down and I think that's the time where looking up is actually suddenly we, we find our strength again through that sense that we're not in charge but something else is in charge and that's that's something is used in, in in kind of things like Alcoholics Anonymous and and various other things that that idea doesn't that higher power whatever it might be can be a really helpful thought. Now I remember visiting you in hospital. I remember having conversations with you on a sort of little chalkboard or whiteboard yeah. like it was we were back in school together. And you know you were very very sick and ill. And but one thing that struck me then even talking if that's what we were doing um, at that time was was your ability to to look ahead and that's what the f is isn't it yeah i mean it, it was interesting actually during my time in hospital i still had a sense that i was one day going to take on the job that i'd been offered the, the headship and that kept me afloat there was a real sense now sometimes plan and i would be writing right i'd like to do this i'd like to try that and i think that sense of, you know, I always say that the past is a great teacher. We can learn, we can reflect. I suppose that's where history is. We, we look back and we can learn and ask ourselves questions. How can I make sure that doesn't happen again? But I always say the past is a shocking master. We don't want to sit at its feet and not move on. Oh, I'm a blind man now and, and, and stay there in a sort of a poor old me pity puddle. That would just be really shameful. I mean, I'm I'm struck by this reality, bud, that we have one life and one go at this thing called life. And, you know, things do come against us. Mm -hmm. You know, I always think of the, um, you know, the road less traveled, you know, and the first sentence is, life is hard. Why do we expect it to be easy? But when it is easy, we should be thankful. And when it is hard, we should think that's the norm. And, And we have challenges and we have difficulties. And our job is not to be defeated by them, but to respond to them. Yeah. You know, in terms of parenting here, trying to model all the things that you're talking about, the UFO, you know, is is actually to sort of, this is, you know, we talked about building resilience in season one, didn't we, a a lot in terms of like, how do you, how do you help your teenagers to really acquire that sense of resilience, that sense of purpose? And this is quite, you know, it's it's a miserable season for many um, obviously, but it's not a bad time to actually be thinking about these things. We do, after all, have enormous amounts of time with our family right now. We do, and and, and, and that reflection is it's a really good time. Funny enough, I was talking to a gentleman 
uh, yesterday evening who's, you know, had a very successful career and one thing and another, something's happened and he's lost his job. And, and I just said, it's a really great time just to look back, reflect and start to plan a journey for the future. And and it's undoubted that, you know, the, the future is going to be different for us all. As the French president was saying yesterday, you know, prepare yourself for a very different life. It's going to be different for me. It's going to be different for all of you. It is going to be different for us. And I think what we must be is light-footed, but with a sense of, you know, there's good that can come out of this, but there really is good. The fact that we're spending so much time with ourselves, with our wives, with our families, whatever our current status is, but we are spending time not sold out to work. And, and actually, at the end of the day, work isn't life no. Entirely, is it? It's a, it's a part of life. I think um, I think that's kind of interesting. Actually, a lot of people have said to me, you know, that this season has kind of brought that home for a lot of people. That you know, I think that quite a few people feel rather guilty about how much they're actually enjoying this time. I mean, don't get me wrong; there are lots of people suffering out there. But for the people who haven't got the virus, or the people who aren't in dire straits with their work. There is a sort of simplicity to life, um, which which isn't. Sort I of... think that that's a gorgeous word, um, but the, the simplicity of life, the, you know, the things that matter, you know, of, of loving your children, of, of appreciating the spring, you know, the the, the blossom and the, and the and the sunshine, and learning to really appreciate those things around us. And I think that one of the key things that I've learned on my journey is the importance of thankfulness, being thankful for. The smallest things, you know, the fact that we've got fresh water coming out of our taps or that we can have a bath or that, you know, that, that, that we've got a bed to climb into or whatever. Those are the things that, you know, they're, they're, they're gifts, they're good, but we mustn't overlook them. Yeah, and I think that, you know, that starts to fit into your idea of looking out, doesn't it? And looking out with gratitude and, you know, the kind of the third part of our UFO, up, forwards and out. Just to unpack the out a bit more for us. Yeah, should I do that? The, the, the out is to is to look out. And this sort of came out of a, um, a book that I think was the, one of the last books I read before I lost my sight. And it was the, the, the book written by a man called Viktor Frankl, who's a, an Austrian psychotherapist. And he survived to Auschwitz, one of the very few that survived that. And he talked in his book about how he got through such a brutal season. I mean, it was, I mean, just phenomenally brutal. But, you know, he talked about how every two weeks or so they'd be given a bread bun. And there he was, a starving man. But he would tear up his bread bun and he would share it with others that looked more starving than him. Now, the temptation for us all as human beings would be just to nick other people's buns and try and satiate our hunger. But no. And he actually made a distinction that actually the benefit he got emotionally from sharing and seeing other people smile at him and say thank you to him was more significant than filling his stomach. And that was a real lesson for me that actually I've got four children. You know, I wake up in the morning and I open my eyes like there's a reality. I'm a blind man. And it's like, oh, gosh, you know, it's a sort of, you know, it's a besetting moment. But actually then I hear children screaming, squabbling, or doing whatever they're doing for being children. Um, and I think to myself, ah, those are the guys that, 
And that starts today, and it's a lookout. And I think they say, the biologists, you know, that oxytocin, you know, a hormone is actually released as you, you know, offer a random act of kindness or a hug or a, 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 a kind message or a, a WhatsApp or whatever you do, however small, it just helps. And I, that, that looking out and thinking about others before yourself, I think is, it, it's, it, it's, it's so enriching. That's um, the book's Man's Search for Meaning, is it? Is that right? A Man's Search for Meaning, that's right. I think it's important to say, obviously, we're we're talking about your brain tumour and loss of sight. This guy's um, been in Auschwitz. But you don't need to be in a terrible state. You don't need an Auschwitz or a brain tumour in order for you to rethink these things. and, And actually, in order to teach your children these things, uh, it, the season doesn't have to be a terrible one. It just has to be a challenging one, maybe. But it... no, no. But but I think, as you know, old Gregory Scott Peck said, you know, life is hard, and when life is hard, I, I think to have little mantras that we live our life by, um, that actually looking up is important. A sense of hope and opportunities, good opportunities on their way, yeah. and a sense that other people matter more than me. You know, I always say the opposite to UFO is to look down, back and in, and that breeds a dangerously bleak individual. Um, <laughs> a, it, yeah. a bit cheesy, but it's true. No, it's true. I, think I think it does. Right. We, you know, and you know it's not fun to be around people like that. I mean, it's interesting with the out thing, because my daughter was telling me she did a 5K. There's been this big, um, you, you, you give five pounds to the end. You run five kilometers. Yes, oh, my, my kids have both done that. Yeah, yeah, you, 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 you donate, sorry, you run 5K, you donate five pounds, and then you nominate five other people to do it. And she was just saying that's really been driven by the younger generation, and they've raised, you know, two and a half million pounds. And what a wonderful kind of witness this, you know, that 99-year-old's done as well with his walking. And, well, he, he's got to 12 million, hasn't he? I know. And there's something, isn't there, that's been really lovely about this season too in terms of, you know, we've we've actually practised as a nation gratitude to the NHS yeah, and to the yeah. key workers. I think, I, th- I, I would agree. I think we've seen some of the finest elements of our country, which has been so heartening post-Brexit, which was really seeing the very worst. But somehow... You know, the Thursday evening claps. Yeah, the Thursday evening claps. You're thinking, wow, this is this is good. And, and all the, I was hearing 750,000 employees, um, sort of volunteers into the kind of care home world. And you think, wow, gosh, that's, that's brilliant. Yeah. yeah, and you're right. I mean, I think, um, you know, and that's, that's a wonderful, you know, that the UFO, the up, forward and out is a wonderful thing to take to our, our families at this time, isn't it? And take to teenagers because they're receptive for it, I think. And I think it's a good opportunity. But also you don't have to look very far to see great examples of that. And, you, you know, they're doing it themselves, a lot of them, which is, which is wonderful. Just as we finish, is there anything else kind of coronavirus related um in terms of family in terms of teenagers um that you know that, that we can just just sort of throw into the mix as well you, your um father-in-law said a lovely thing i thought he did yeah he did he um he uh you know is living on his own and uh you know he's next to that so he loves being around people so i think for him it's very hard and he spoke to us all on easter day as his children and grandchildren he said Try and make this season as memorable as you can, you know, with this sense that, you know, in five years, in 15 years, we might look back and 
you know, we don't want to think that we were these sort of gnarled up, fear-filled kind of, I don't know, people, but actually think that was an amazing time. I've never spent so much time with my children. And there are elements, aren't there, where you wake up and it's like, oh, here we go again. It's another day. It's another long day. But actually, I think trying to impregnate it with special moments. You know, I think of listening this morning to The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe with my nine-year-old daughter. Lovely thing to do, you know, and, and, and you're doing it as well, playing bridge with your children. And, you know, that, that you actually think creatively about little things and, and actually teaching them to serve as well. You know, actually, it's your turn to to make some supper. It's your turn to, you know, we, we have a sort of suddenly, you know, Olivia will blow a whistle, my wife, and, you know, it's like, right, the six of us, we're all going to tidy the house now. You're going to do this, you're going to do this. And, and, you know, you can't argue. You just get on with doing it. Otherwise, you're going to live in a, you know, smelly, dirty, whatever place. But we all need to get on with it. And somebody needs to clean the loose. And, you know. Yeah, my, my to... son's just learned how to clean the bathroom and uh, the yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, all that's good, isn't it? I think yeah, it is. I like these rituals, you know, of, of kind of setting days up. I know a lot of families that I've spoken to have kind of got a real routine for their day when it's kind of time on your own, time together, time outside, you know, and just trying to make the, the most of it. I think I think it's important uh, too. I think we are. You talked right at the beginning about this being a long game. We yeah, do need yeah. To, we do need to recognise that, and I think we do need to recognise that our teenagers are going to have moments where they just are really struggling with the sort of the lack of you know this the monotony of being at home all day um and allow them to feel that a little bit i think um i think so i think that's that's a good point but uh, you know one thing that i've i i've in the last eight years i i ran shy of, of grief you know i was in a glorious place of denial for a number of years and then i hit grief and i couldn't run away from it and the thing that i've learned from you know the the people that have helped me is that when you experience those low moods you can't run away from them don't try and pretend that they're not there because they are there and i think you know what you say about teenagers that let them go through it let them experience those moments and not try and you know inoculate them from them actually you know let them go through them because actually sometimes through tough times learning comes yeah i agree i think that might be true of conflict as well it's inevitable when you're, I mean, for so far, mercifully little conflict in our house, but that's not through great parenting. It's just luck. But I suspect it will come. And I think, um, you know, I think, again, we've got to allow our children to have conflict with one another and, and with us and to just try and seek ways to resolve that rather than, in a, a way, be surprised. There's going to be an element of cabin fever, isn't there? And um I know you, you and I both, when we ran boarding, boys' boarding houses, that sort of January time when the boys can't go outside and what, you know, used to call it release the beast. That's when people used to break things and get in trouble and because they were frustrated, <laughs> yes. weren't they? Yes, that's so true. The, the sort of break commissar would go right up, wouldn't it, in January? Yeah. And I think <laughs> Sorry, you... <laughs> sir, smash this. So. Smashed him, smash this, smash that. But I think, yeah. Um, yeah, I think, and we've got to sort of, you know, we've got to allow that to happen in the same way I think we talked about, you know, screens are going to dominate a lot more in this season and not to sweat it so much. And I think, um, you know, actually to see it as as a positive so I think that they're all things that are worth just thinking about. It, it's a it's about really deciding as a couple, I think, and as a family, what's you know what's going to be important in this time and what's not. You know, yeah, what, yeah, what, what's, yeah. What, what are the things you're going to actually 
you know, strive for? And what are the things that you're just going to say, look, we're not too worried about that in this season? And allow that to Yeah, you, you're right. You do need to overlook one or two things, don't you? And just think, right, okay, it's a long day. It's a long day. And, you know, perhaps another half an hour on telly or whatever is not the end of the world. Um, I'm sure a lot of yeah. parents are out there, they're looking forward to school restarting next week and, you know, lessons kicking off and a, and a degree of routine. There's still a lot of uncertainty for many people about exams and exactly how that's going to look. But hopefully that will all get clarified in the coming weeks. Nice to talk to you, mate. Yeah, it's very nice to talk to you too. And okay. stay safe and uh, stay and safe, you. everyone who's uh, listening. You've been listening to Talking Teenagers. Music has been by Rue Paynes. Editing by George Purvis and James Certin. For more information about I Can and I Am Charity, who provide presentations and resources and help build self-confidence in young people, visit their website at icaniam.com. Be yourself.